Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Now, one of the things that I love about hosting the show, and you and I have been together many years now, haven't we? I love the chance to connect with spiritual teachers and hear their stories. And we've heard over the years from a lot of people who've had enormous, inspiring, life-altering moments of revelation or near-death experiences, or they fell off mountains, or they had visions on top of the mountains, things that showed them the way. And those stories are inspiring. They can be life-changing. They can be very moving. And what about most of us who haven't had a huge earth-shaking moment of truth, or who at least haven't had one yet. Is it okay to claim your power? Can you change your life even if you feel you are ordinary? Now, of course, you know what I'm going to say to that. The answer is yes, right? And my guest today, Jennifer Lonberg, agrees. She believes that we already have all we need to be successful. It just needs to be unlocked, and she's here to help us learn how to do that. Are you ready to meet her? Jennifer Lonberg is an intuitive life coach, energy healer, speaker, and the author of Embodied Grace, A Woman's Path to Empowerment. Through her workshops, retreats, conferences, and books, Jennifer inspires and empowers women to heal by breaking out of the patterns of limiting beliefs, negative thinking, and self-doubt by delivering the actual how-to steps that many speakers leave out. Jennifer is a certified NLP practitioner, herb specialist, certified Reiki master, and a yoga instructor. You can find out more about Jennifer and her work at jenniferlonberg.com. Jennifer, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. And maybe we should start with your story. I don't think that any of us are ordinary. I think we're all miraculous. But I know that you say that your story is that you have no story. Could I hear it anyway, please? Of course. And I, I say that kind of jokingly because we all know that's not true. Everybody has a story. I just feel like my story isn't that spectacular. I'm normal. I'm average. I'm ordinary. I have an ordinary life. I just happen to also be psychic. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, a lot of the motivational speakers that we see and a lot of the motivational, they've had these near-death experiences. They've had these life-shattering moments. They've had these dire circumstances that they've had to overcome. And most of us, the majority of us, we don't have to go through that, thank goodness, right? But on the other hand, I think sometimes we get so motivated by that story that we think that if we don't have that life-shattering moment, we won't have that life-shattering success. And that's where my story comes in. Um, my joke about that I have no story, it's just that my story seems so simple and ordinary. I grew up in a small town in southeast Colorado. I had average parents, average income, average growing up, all of those things. Um, you know, my mom and dad were divorced when I was 11, but it wasn't life-shattering. It wasn't 
a really a hard transition for us. It seemed like it went okay. You know, it, there wasn't any major trauma or anything involved in it. My dad still lived only just a few blocks away. Um, so all of the things that I've been through, nothing was very earth shattering. Um, you know, I've had a car wreck, but again, it wasn't life shattering. It was a little bit hard. I had some physical therapy I had to go through to get back through it, but a lot of people have that happen. So to me, being ordinary and being normal is what was the catalyst behind the successes that I'm having now and the, the message that I have that everybody can have the life that they want if they just learn how to choose it. And there can be that feeling sometimes, at least I hear it with people who I work with, of kind of holding our own lives up against the people who were, I don't know, kidnapped by bandits or raised by wolves or jumped into the volcano or whatever it is. And sometimes there can be that idea that we must either wait for that moment to happen, because then we'll know, then our spiritual path begins, or that we feel that because that moment hasn't happened, it's kind of a judgment from the universe and we don't really we're not going anywhere. We don't have a spiritual path. Yeah, or that we don't deserve it. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm finding is the big kicker is, is as I'm going through this, self-worth has such a powerful play in our life in what we actually accomplish and what we look for and what we think we can have. That, I think that feeling sometimes of having something missing that I'm missing, maybe it's not the experience, but I'm missing the partner or I'm missing the financial success or I'm missing the fulfillment in whatever area. It's common to have that feeling that something's missing. And there's also that vague feeling that something's off, but you're not quite sure what it is. How can we start to get to the root of that feeling of something missing and, and do something with it? See, and that that's part of the reason I wrote my book, because I was in the same situation. I didn't really know what was missing. I really didn't have anything, quote, unquote, to complain about, right? Um, and I just knew that there was something more, but I didn't know what it was. But I knew within me there was something more that I felt like I needed or that I needed to accomplish or that I needed to do. And so that's what started my quest to figure out what what that was and how did I find it, right? Because, again, there's there's all these books out there about self-help and motivation and, but what was I missing and what did I not get? And I finally decided and realized, um, because I'm also Christian. And so it's kind of an oxymoron. A lot of times people look at me like, um, what did you said? Psychic and Christian in the same sentence. Yes, <laughs> I did. And so in that journey, of course, I searched within and asked, you know, what does God, what is his purpose for me here? What am I not connecting to? And why am I even feeling like something's missing when I'm really surrounded with all the things that, you know, most of us in America think is, is what we strive for. But, you know, I have the house, I have a decent car, I have the kids, the husband, the dog, the cat, and even a turtle. <laughs> I don't have the turtle anymore, but, you know, we had the whole thing. So what was missing? If you outsiders looking in, there really shouldn't have been anything missing. But it's all within ourselves and it's within our, it's in our own soul and what our own purpose is. And once we figure that out, then we can start to move forward. It's different for everybody, and there's no right or wrong. It's learning how to look inside yourself, learning how to be content and and thankful for what you have, and not in a, oh, I'm so thankful something worse didn't happen, but just in a contentment of being grateful for what you have. And that's, Once you really appreciate that, I feel like then you open up for more. Well, and you're hitting on something 
that just makes me want to just underline that we are all worthy of doing that self-examination. There yes. is there is nobody in a body at this time who is unworthy of doing that self-examination, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you or what you have or what you don't have or what you've lost or what you've found. That self-examination, that turning within, that opening up, asking the questions is your birthright. That's part of why you're here. And that's, I believe, why that's the first step on the on the journey. Not getting it from outside yourself, not having someone go, oh, Jennifer, very interesting. What you're missing is a new dishwasher and you need meditation, right? It comes right. from that permission to turn within. Right. Exactly. And knowing that you're worthy and that you can change your circumstances, because I think a lot of it, too, is we get so locked into how we grew up or the neighborhood we come from or, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, we were, this is how we've always been that kind of story that we tell ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can make your story, whatever you want it to be. And you can have whatever you really want to, to have if you just go for it. But the big thing is too, is then also taking responsibility for the things that have happened to you and with you and things that you've done and not in a bad way, but just saying, yes, this happened to me. And now I choose not to let it affect me anymore. It sounds to me like you're talking about forgiveness. A lot about forgiveness. And that is a big key. You have to forgive yourself and everyone else. Mostly yourself. I found a lot of it is, is forgiving other people too. And, and again, not saying that what they did was right but just saying that you no longer are going to carry the energy that comes with what happened and breaking free from that so that you can move forward. Do you ever find that people hesitate on the edge of this looking within part on the edge of the, let's figure out what we feel is missing. Do you find that people hesitate on the edge of this because of a, of a fear of forgiving or a reluctance to forgive or not understanding what that means? I think all of the above, not, sometimes people don't want to let go because they really want to be in the place of blame of they did this to me and that is why my life is the way it is. Mm. The other one is that they want to just bury it so that they can pretend it didn't happen. And then the next thing is it really irritates people when you say you have to take responsibility for that. Well, they didn't do it. So then they're the victim. Right. So it's all of those things in there, and it's really a hard thing to break through. So that's why I want to reiterate, it's not about saying that what happened to you was right. It's just about simply deciding to stand in your own power and say, yes, this happened to me. Now, what can I do with it? How can I make it better? How do I let go of holding on to the energy of what that person did so that then I can move forward and create whatever life I want? And my sense and is, maybe find the power in that. Like if you've had something bad happen to you, how do you help other people come out of that or come away from it from a different perspective or let go of it or move forward in it? That's beautiful. That opens that up in such a, in such a generous way. It takes it now from that inward facing, looking in, back out, shining that out, shining that out to the world. And as we're forgiving ourselves too, I think... Um, those of us who tend to run in cycles as I do, right? I get in a habit of thought and I go around and around and around. So if I've done something unpleasant or that I'm not too proud of or that I'm embarrassed about, unless I 
let go of that, I might find myself going around and around and around and recreating those same circumstances, those same patterns in my life. And if I'm looking for a way to be a victim, I can say this always happens to me. I always find myself doing or saying these things, or I always find people doing or saying these things to me. And kind of snapping out of that cycle is really important. It, it's very important. So there's two things there at play, because if you talk about everything being energy and the vibration and law of attraction and all of those things, if you're saying this always happens to me, it's going to continue to happen, right? Because then you're calling it in, actually. Yep. Because you're saying this always happens, so law of attraction is at play, and yes, it's going to prove to you that you're right. It always happens. So it's bring more of the circumstances around. The other side of that is that nasty little mean girl, is what I call it, right? Who's telling you, well, why do you think you're so special? And of course it's going to happen because, you know, you're, you make stupid choices or whatever she says, right? right. Um, that nasty little mean girl in your head that tells you all the things that you do wrong, which is kind of what keeps you in that vicious cycle. So... Embodied Grace, to me, is a book about how to get out of the cycle. Is that right? It is. It is. It's about understanding and realizing. Um, I, I have a chapter called, What Are You Thinking? <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting because it's once you realize and really pay attention to what you're thinking about, you'll really be surprised about what you're thinking about. Because we have these default patterns that we tell ourselves over and over and over, and it's just like riding a bike. So when you're, you know, five, six years old or seven, however old you are, when you first learn to ride a regular bike, right, without the training wheels, and you know that this hand has to go on this handle, the other hand goes on the other handle, your foot goes on the pedals, and you have to push forward to make the pedals go, right? And it takes a few times of that, of reminding yourself where your hands go and where your feet go and the way you move it to make the bike go right? Mm -hmm. We do the same thing in the way we think about ourselves and the way we talk to ourselves. It becomes a habit just like riding a bike because we do it over and over until it just then becomes a default pattern. So if you're constantly telling yourself, I'm not good enough and this always happens and never, nothing ever good happens to me and all of these things like that, it's going to fall into a default after a while. And then that's going to be the pattern that you do. So can you share a tool or an idea to help us if we're, if we see ourselves, if we're sitting there watching and we see the loop come up, this always happens. I always do this. If the mean girl comes in and says, well, of course that happens, lady, look what you've done with your life or look where you are. How do we, when we become aware of that pattern, how can we start to shift it? So the first key, of course, is awareness. So once you become aware of it, literally, if you have to slap your hands and say, stop. <laughs> you know, or tell her that's enough or something to disrupt the pattern. So once you become aware and you're aware of what you're thinking about, if you realize that that's where your thinking is going, interrupt it. Literally tell yourself to stop, shake it off, bring in a new thought, write down three things you're thankful for. There's, there's different ways, but interrupting the pattern is the first step to being able to then change it. So once you get to where you understand how to, break the pattern or at least interrupt the pattern, then you can start reprogramming it. And so if you have that negative thought come in your mind and you realize it and you say, wait a minute, stop, I'm not thinking that, I'm going to choose instead to think something else. So if she's saying, well, of course that happens, you're so stupid, that's what always happens, 
you can say, no, I'm, I realize what I just thought. I choose not to think that anymore. And I'm choosing to believe that I can learn something new and I can do it differently. Mm. So it's really just about understanding, recognizing the pattern, interrupting it, and then changing it. And as you start changing it, it becomes a new habit and a new pattern. It's not always easy. I, I laugh about, the, I did the neuro-linguistic programming training just so that I would understand how our brain works. And it, it literally can create almost like roadways. So you know how if you drive on a dirt road, how it becomes, there's ruts. So you know the tires always go into the ruts because that's where everybody drives. Right. Your thought patterns and your brain waves are the same way. So the neural patterns in your brain do the same thing. They create this rut where you're, it's automatically going to flow in that direction. So as you start changing the pattern, it's like you're going to fill those in and create a new pathway of thinking. Is it possible or desirable to have only positive thoughts? And I'm asking this because this is not what I experience. I experience a mix, a delightful mix of my old stuff and my new stuff and the stuff I'm changing and the stuff I'm letting go of and the stuff I wonder about. Is it possible or desirable to be only in the good thoughts? You know, I used to think that it would never happen. And I'm going to say probably for 90% of us, we can get a better pattern of better thoughts. I think the negative thoughts are still going to come in. It's just not letting them have power over the positive thoughts, mm-hmm. right? I will say that I have experienced a dramatic shift in myself, and I didn't even realize it until about a week and a half ago, I was talking to somebody And she's like, well, how do I let go of worry? And she goes, don't you ever worry anymore? (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I really don't as nearly as much as I used to. So I think, I mean, obviously I would think maybe somebody who, um, you know how you see the Buddhists that are in the temple that, and that's all they do Mm -hmm. is pray and meditate. They probably are at that place where there's not really a whole lot of negative thinking going on. But for those of us in the real world who are still here in the human experience, you're still going to probably have both. It's just that you want to get to the place to where you have more of the happy and positive thoughts than you do the negative. And when the negative come in, you recognize them differently and you can then say, you know, why is this still here? What do I need to look at and how do I move past it so that it doesn't come up so often? I agree with you. I think there can be a shift where we start to look at the negative things that come up as, at least I think of them as mirrors. What is this showing me? What do I need to pay attention to? Not, no, a negative thought, I'm freaking out, and now I'll never have abundance, or now my spiritual path is ruined. But instead, what does this, I can kind of calmly go, hello, negative thought. What is it that you want me to see? What is, what can you uncover for me? What light can you shine? And for me, at least for me personally, on my own path, being able to take the things that I think and and see them differently lets me use them as tools instead of as things that freak me out or hold me back or right make me nuts. Now, that's on a good day. On a bad day, they still do hold me back and freak me out and make me nuts. That's how I know I'm still in a physical body, still walking the path, still uh, I see, doing Of course, because you're still human. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the key is, is once you get, when you're in that space, though, that you're so used to the negative thought, it's really hard to look at it like, what are you teaching me? Once you get in that first step, and that's what that's why I wrote my book what I did, is it's literally little tiny steps that you take along the way to show you how to think of things differently. Once you get past the place of breaking the pattern, redirecting it, and then kind of getting into the better pattern of thinking, then you're in a better space that when the negative thoughts come up, you can look at it 
and don't judge yourself for it when they come up. That's the other part is then we think, oh, I'm not supposed to be thinking or negative and this negative thought just come in and then you just turn the cycle right back on, right? But when you get into the place of breaking the pattern, learning to think differently, bringing in positive thoughts, choosing to think positive, then when the negative thoughts come up, you can actually then do just like you said and look at it and say, huh, what is this? Why is this here? And, and come from it of a place of non-judgment so that you're not being hard on yourself again because you're thinking negatively, but actually see what is the lesson is this in this and why is this showing up? And again, sitting with that grace to take the time to look at it, to be able right. to allow your attention to go to these things without flipping out and falling back into the old negative pattern and around and around, around we go. Now, I know that a lot of, and I think especially women do this, we give our power away and sometimes we give our power away because we think everything has to be perfect and so it's easier to just give the power away and it'll seem better. Sometimes we give our power away unintentionally because of stuff that's encoded from long, long ago. Part of what you teach in the book are ways to look at reconnecting with that inner power and you can do that at any stage of your journey no matter what you have or don't have. How do we know we're unintentionally giving our power away and how can we get it back? Well, I think the biggest factor or the biggest sign for women if they're giving their power away is when they're exhausted and depleted. So, I mean, I have kids. I have a husband. I still get that way sometimes. Unintentionally, I'll be like, I'll realize that I've just done everything for everybody else and now I have zero left, right? And so it's time for me to rejuvenate. The The thing that I really teach a lot is where are you not loving yourself? Because if you're not loving yourself and taking care of yourself, you won't have enough energy to love and care for others, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out within ourselves, if we're giving away our power, a good sign is that we're, we're depleted. And it's not being in your power of a place that's overbearing and telling people, you know, what to do and not taking care of anybody else. It's not that. It's being in your power enough to understand what you need and how you get replenished so that then you do have all the energy that you need to take care of everybody in the way that you want to. Because we all know as moms, when you're exhausted and you're worn out, you might get snappy with your kids. You may not do things as well as you would like to. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like you may I come do. from that place of lack. Mm -hmm. Sometimes so colorful language we... makes an appearance, uh, at least. In, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> when mama yeah. has, when mama's got four hours of sleep or less, there may be colorful language. That's how it there goes. There most likely would be in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, it's coming from the place of not judging ourselves for it, but understanding that in reality, when we can learn to care for ourselves, then we actually are in a better place to take care of our children, our husband, our family, our friends, our household in a much better way. And Jesus taught us that. We don't always get taught that in church, but if you look, Jesus taught us that when he needed the time out to go meditate and pray, he would take it. And it didn't matter if there was 5,000 people waiting for him. It was, give me just a minute, I need to pray, and then I'll be right back and everything will be fine. <laughs> And so I think as women and men too, like that's the one thing is I wrote this book um, and I called it for women, you know, a woman's path to empowerment. But some of the the better testimonials that I've had have actually been from men. And they've told me this should have been a book for everybody, not just for women. And it really is. It's just that women are in my heart because I am a woman and I know those struggles of 
being the superwoman, right? Because we all kind of have that superwoman syndrome nowadays that we have to be everything to everybody all the time. And understanding that it's okay sometimes and that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> no is a complete sentence. What are your, some, some of your favorite methods for self-care? You've got some great ideas in the book. So self-care is going to be different for everybody because some people are, everybody has a different thing. One of my favorite things for self-care is just a warm cup of coffee. Well, I'm really hot, actually. I really like a hot, hot cup of coffee and five minutes of peace, Mm. right? Just a little bit of time to just breathe, smell my coffee, drink my coffee, enjoy my coffee. Um, You know, that's a great time for me to kind of just get into my day, take care of me, be silent for a minute and just really soak it up. Now, Sometimes self-care is I've had a rough day and I'm at the grocery store, so I want to get myself some flowers to put in the kitchen table because it's going to make me happier, right? Knowing that you don't have to expect somebody from outside of you to do those things for you. And if you feel like you want flowers for your kitchen, it's okay to do that for yourself. Right. You know, it's okay to take five minutes. For some ladies, it's going to be going to the spa or to the salon or things like that. Now, I some of those things to me are just maintenance. So you've got to decide for you what is a special treat and what is self-care and what is maintenance. And knowing that self-care doesn't have to be that you're spending money. It could be that you're reading a book. It could be that you need a timeout and you need a bath. You know, it could. It's, there's a million different things, but the basic part of self-care is honoring yourself and what do you need. Are you eating right? Are you getting enough water? Are you really taking care of yourself the way that you need to? These are wonderful suggestions. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Jennifer Lonberg. Her new book is Embodied Grace, A Woman's Path to Empowerment. When we come back after this break, I'm going to ask Jennifer about the formula that's in the book uh, to help us reach any goal, tools we can use to reach any goal. I'm going to ask her about being Christian and psychic together at the same time and much more. We'll be right back with more after this. to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you. The enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree. Yes. That one. The free to be me you. (laughs) Ask your parents to take you to this not so far away place. Come to the forest where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude, what happened to your face? I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Dude, what is this? 11 pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. 
That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. I'm home, and I love it. I'm home, where I belong. I'm home, and I love it. I'm home, where I belong. It's always nice to come home. But these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. I'm home. Where I be. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Jennifer Lonberg. Her new book is Embodied Grace, A Woman's Path to Empowerment. You can find out more about Jennifer and her work at jenniferlonberg.com. That's Jennifer, L-O-N-N-B-E-R-G, jenniferlonberg.com. Um, and of course, I love to hear your comments and your questions and your reactions to what you're hearing on today's show. Are you aware, maybe you're newly aware of ways in which you give your power away? Maybe you have become aware that you were waiting for the big event to launch your spiritual journey, and yet you kind of came to yourself and realized you were walking that path anyway, that you didn't need to be rescued from a sinking ocean liner or accidentally, I don't know, set on fire and then put out again in order to move along the spiritual path. I love hearing from you and I love your comments and questions about the show. You can always reach me via email, Karen at KarenHager.com. And of course, KarenHager.com is my website where you can see a big picture of me with makeup on and make all kinds of delightful connections. Now, Jennifer, before we went to the break, we were talking about the importance of self-care. And I, I want to ask you about the title of your book, Embodied Grace. Now, as a Christian, that word grace is a, that's a loaded word. There's a lot there. What does embodied grace mean to you? You know, it's funny that you say that because I have had people ask me that and they, they read it and they're like, well, this wasn't a spiritual book. And I'm like, I never intended it for to be a spiritual book. Um, this book is just a how to take some steps. And when I came up with the, the title Embodied Grace, I can't say that I didn't have any spiritual um, inspiration because, you know, we all kind of want to be that Proverbs 31 woman. And to me, she's graceful and life is easy. And so then that, to me, grace comes from that. It's a like a beautiful dancer and they just are graceful on the stage. I want life to look like that for me. I want to have grace in my life. I want people to see me and be like, oh, she just, you know, moves so good. Life is so good. Life is so easy. I want everybody to understand they can have that. And so to me, embodied grace is embodying 
the easiness, the the beauty of life and the grace of life and bringing that into your life and dancing through life instead of just tripping and struggling and <laughs> and struggling through life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to me, the embodied grace, um, I know that the grace, a lot of Christians kind of look at that and think that it's about, you know, being saved and things like that. And that was not the intention of the book, although that's a great thing to have as well. That to me, that that word grace suggests that there is forgiveness for me, but also that things will expand to hold me, that I'm protected, that I'm known, that I'm loved, that I've seen, that I have more than one chance. And so for me, I also am Christian, but not even just not even putting a, a, you know, denominational spin on it. That grace to me means ease and flow. I love the idea. I love the image that you're giving us of of dancing through life. So many times when we get stuck, when we're struggling, when something's missing and we don't know what we want, we've given our power away and everything is lousy. It's hard to connect with that feeling of grace. It's extremely hard, especially when you're in it, right? When you're in that struggle and you're in that feeling of life is hard and you're in that feeling of it's never good enough, right? Grace seems so far removed from that. So in the book, you share a formula that you say we can use for any goal. Maybe we should first talk about how to set a goal and what that is. And then I would love to you, for you to share that formula with the listeners. Okay. Um, so it's, it's just about, first of all, what do you even want, right? Because a lot of times, especially with clients, when I work with them, they'll, they'll be like, well, I don't even know what I want because they literally have given up so much of themselves that they don't even know what they can expect or what they can, or they don't even know that they can ask for more, right? And so it's really important when you're trying to set a goal and set these intentions that, first of all, just decide what you want. What do you want from life? Do you want, and a lot of times they'll tell me, I don't know what I want. Okay, that's fine. Take away judgment. Whenever you're looking at anything, that's probably the biggest thing I can tell anybody is take away judgment. Don't judge yourself for what comes up. Don't judge yourself for how you feel. Don't judge yourself for how you think. Just be aware of it. And once you're, once you decide, okay, well, I don't want to be tired anymore, or I don't want to be unhappy anymore. Okay, great. What's the opposite of that? So if you don't want to be, if you're tired of being unhappy, then you know that you really want to be happy. Okay. Well, what does happy look like to you? It can look different for everybody, but what does it look like to you? Once you kind of get that, then you can start getting some ideas. And then once you know what you're looking for, then you can start setting goals to reach that. So if you know that happiness means you've got 15 minutes of free time to sit in your yard and watch the birds, then that's a goal. (laughs) You now have your goal. And that's the other thing is don't make it so lofty and so out there that you feel like you can never reach it. In the very beginning, you want to focus on things that are attainable so that then you can get in the habit again of, of really reaching those goals and understanding that they don't have to be so hard. Because when you're stuck in that struggle and, and that lack mentality, it's really hard to see how you could go into the, you know, I, I always, the law of attraction always makes me laugh because you hear so many people talk about, just say, I want to be a millionaire and I say, you want to be a millionaire until you really claim it. I am this. And if it doesn't resonate with you and if you don't believe it, if you have 12 cents in your bank account, 
you're not going to be able to say, I am a millionaire and be able to vibrate and make that real. You've got to start where you are. You can say, if you have 12 cents in your bank account, you can just say, I am allowing myself to learn more about money. That would be a good affirmation to start. You know what I mean? So same thing in changing your life. Make it to where you can slowly work into the vibration. And then, of course, by all means, once you get in the habit and you get to where it feels good, then start reaching for the bigger ones. And so how do you set that goal? Is the goal to be a millionaire or is the goal, well, like, how do you know what the goal is? You know, the, you have to decide on yourself. And I, I use money just because so many people are so tied in, into money right now. But the mm-hmm. goal is happiness. The goal is freedom. The goal is grace. The goal is joy. You know, the, the goal is peace. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be an abundance of money. It can be abundance of time. It can be an abundance of joy. It can be an abundance of family. You know, just figure out what it is that's important to you. And then how do you design your life to get more of that? So does that mean you need to cut back on some spending so that you have more time with family? Does that mean that you need to get an extra job so that you can take that class at the, at the college? Right? It's just really understanding and defining what you really want in your soul. What is it that you as a person that you really want? Don't let anybody tell you what is or is not good enough for you, right? Mm. And I've said this before, but I, I feel like this is one of the best analogies. It doesn't matter who you are or where you came from. Don't let anybody tell you that you can or cannot be anything. If you are really good at being a waitress and you enjoy it and you love the job and you make decent money and it's good for you and you're having fun, then don't let anybody tell you that job is not good enough for you, right? And if you want to be a brain surgeon and you really want to go to school, don't let anybody tell you that you can't reach that goal. It doesn't matter what it is. You get to decide what feels good to you and what makes you happy. And one of the steps in this formula that really, that kind of stopped me as I was reading the book is once we find out what we want and we set that goal, you ask us to think about how will we know when we get there. And that to me invites a deeper thought than I'll know when I'm a millionaire, when I have a million dollars in the bank. No, how will I feel? What will that be like? Right. Really taking some time to feel into how will we know when we achieve the goal? Right. And a lot of the questions that I have in there. So I have a bunch of questions in the back of the book that kind of help dig in a little bit more. And so somebody may say, well, I want a million dollars. Okay. But why? Like, what is that going to, it's not that you want the million dollars. It's that you want the freedom or the joy, or the peace that comes with having it, right? Right. So it's not really about actually having the money. It's about having the feeling of security, maybe, right? So as you go through those questions, it's going to dig in and kind of get a little bit more of what is the emotion, really, that you want to feel? Because you could have all the money in the world and still be miserable. So it's learning how to find the joy within you. And as you make those little goals and as you as you get a little bit deeper into who you are and what you really want, you find the joy a lot easier. I'm wondering because sometimes we are, we feel cut off from that joy because we're afraid to express who we really are. We are mm-hmm. afraid sometimes to tell the truth about who we are. And you have mentioned a couple of times being psychic and also identifying as Christian. Are you comfortable sharing a little of your journey around that. I bet our stories are very different. I am also Christian and psychic. I bet our journeys are different. Can you say a little bit about how this all came together for you, how you became aware of your abilities? Yes. 
so I don't know how I ever knew that I was psychic. I just, from the time I was little, you know, three, four years old, whatever, we've always gone to church. My mom taught Sunday school. I could always see Jesus and the angels. I don't know why or how that was my gift, but it has always been there. I can see other things as well that other people don't see. You know, you hear the whole little joke, I see dead people. Yes, I, I see dead people too. Um, I've always had that ability. And I don't remember at what age I decided it wasn't safe. I think when I was young, everybody was like, oh, how cute. She thinks she sees Jesus and the angels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then when you get older, it goes from cute to, oh, that's kind of weird. And then you get the other, like, well, what makes you so special that you think you can see that? Mm-hmm. Right? So you, I went through the whole gamut of those things. And then, um, I, I, like I said, I don't remember what age I started to realize I should only talk about it with certain people. And then I just got to the point where I, I didn't want to scare people and I would know things and I wouldn't know how I would know them. And, you know, I would just blurt out, I don't think you should do that. And they'd be like, well, why? And do it anyway and something bad would happen. And then they'd be like, well, how did you know? I'm like, I don't know. I just had a feeling, you know. So I went through that and eventually I just tried to completely shut it down, which of course didn't work. But I tried really, really hard to just shut it all off and turn it all off and not pay attention to it. And I ended up with migraines and anxiety and stress and OCD. And I mean, I wasn't ever diagnosed with that, but I felt that way. Like I felt like everything was out of control because I was trying so hard not to feel, see, and understand and hear the spiritual things going on around me, right? So then I finally came back to a point in my life where I was like, you know what, forget it. And I said, I I literally had a knockdown drag out fight with God. And I said, you know what? you did this to me, either show me how to do it or take it away. (laughs) And I should have realized what I was asking for because it all came in in a flood. Mm. I had my whole living room was filled with, you know, spirit. And, but, but it felt so natural when I finally just accepted it, that it it just has flowed since then. So, and it's the same way. Like I know it sounds so simple of being Christian. I was hiding that. It's the same thing of somebody who comes from a really wealthy family, but they really want to be a waitress because they think that it's less than, right? <laughs> well, it's it doesn't matter what it is that you're trying to hide from that you really enjoy or that you're really good at. Just embrace it. That hiding often creates more problems than it than it solves. For me, I my guides have been talking to me from a very, very early age and one of my earliest memories, and I'm so proud of this now, is of telling my guides to shut up and go away. Because they used, they'd call mm-hmm. me name, my, call my names all the time, and they'd show me things, and you know, Karen, look over here. And I have a distinct memory as a little tiny kid of going, shut up, go away. That's it. And of course, mm-hmm. they were quiet. They did not go away. And as right. I, as I went through my life growing up and trying to smash that down, what I found was that the harder I tried to smash it down, the more it would pop up in unpredictable ways. And often those were in ways that, that scared me or made me feel bad or I didn't like. And honestly, it wasn't until I was in my early forties that I began to use my gifts in the way I am a professional intuitive and do spiritual counseling and teaching. Um, I didn't start to do that until I was in my early 40s. That's a long way from that little girl who told her guides to shut up and go away. And the more yeah, I, I believe, the more we try to hide ourselves, the the harder it is. The harder life is, right? Mm-hmm. Because even me trying to squash it down, I mean, my family knew. And when I finally decided to just claim it, it was almost like a relief. Like, well, duh. I, as a matter of fact, my husband, that was his reaction was, well, duh. <laughs> About time. <laughs> because... 
you know what I mean? Like he's always known. So it was no big deal that I shifted into, I hid behind intuitive life coach for a long time. And I actually did um, health coaching with herbs and supplements before I stepped into the intuitive life coaching. But the same thing, people were coming to me for these emotional or well, for physical ailments, thinking that if they could take some magnesium and maybe some astragalus or something, they would feel better. But I was seeing the emotional baggage, basically, Mm -hmm. that was causing the physical pain. And so the intuition started coming back more and more and more. And that's when I was like, okay, show me what to do with this, because obviously that's what you're calling me to do. And I'm tired of running from it. So it's time to just step into it. And it's, it's, it made things so much easier. Um, then, then I realized that what has taken me the eight years of personal struggle and trying to reach my goals and whatever, I can show somebody else in my book, which takes, you know, a few weeks. If they, if they really look at it and go through the book, it's so simple if you just recognize it and allow it to be. Anything that I ask you that's too personal, you tell me to take a hike. Okay. I'm wondering if you are part of a church and if you are how that church reacts to you or how out you are in, in that kind of traditional Christian community. So I was raised Methodist. Um, I was baptized Southern Baptist because (laughs) when we moved to, when my mom and dad divorced, we moved to another town and we liked the pastor at the Southern Baptist. Um, I came back to the Methodist church and I'm not actually going to a church regular right now. Um, but my pastor, it was really funny because I've kind of gone back and forth because of, because of who I am and, and the things that I do. It, I want church to be something that's going to make me grow and make me challenged. And it's great to go for the community and those kind of things. And, that, and that's fine and wonderful. But I really want to go and get something when I'm going. Mm-hmm. Right. So we had gone to church, gone to church most of the time. I taught Sunday school back in the day and all of those things. Um, but we weren't going there for a little while. We had been going to a church that was like half an hour away and the winter came. And so we just kind of fell out of it. And there was a period where God was like, okay, it's time for you to go back to the church, which is here in the little town that I grew up in. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to take my kids. And finally, after like two Sundays of me being woken up early for no reason, (laughs) I finally went ahead and went to the church and there was a pastor there that was phenomenal. And I love her dearly. And she's one of my, my good friends and a confidant now. And it was so funny because when I finally just in the last year or so told her, because I hid, like I said, I hid behind that for a long time. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm a Christian psychic. And she goes, I knew there was something I was missing about you. That makes so much more sense now. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, so here there were, there were other people that have, you know, kind of questioned me on it, but she was totally accepting. And it, it, And again, another friend of mine, we were talking about it, and she said, all those years ago, I used to wonder how you knew what to say when you said it. Mm. And I wasn't doing it intentionally. I just, when when you feel that inspiration and you feel like you're supposed to say something, you never know who the message is for. Well, at that point. Now, when I take readings, of course, I know who I'm talking to, but sometimes you just get inspiration. And, And so she even said then, it makes total sense that you would say that. So on the other end of the spectrum, I have friends who I've known forever and they're like, well, we can't believe that you're doing this. And are you sure this is right? And being psychic is evil and all of these things. And I'm like, you know me, like if you, if you don't know me by now, you know, (laughs) 
like, really? You're going to question that? And they're like, we just don't like that word psychic. It just seems so scary. And so I said, you know what? I have a heart for Jesus. I know that there's some truth in the Bible. I know that for me, that is my path. That doesn't mean that that's somebody else's path. But for the Christians who are wondering, if they open their Bible simply to prove me wrong, at least they open their Bible. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So mission accomplished either way. (laughs) So I figure that's just how it is. So being Christian and psychic is different. and, And I'm sure you've probably come across some similar things. Those words don't really seem to go together, but they really do. If you look back, psychic really just means knowing something outside of physical. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. And seeing a little bit farther, maybe, than other people might at that whatever particular time we're talking about. And also, to me, this has to do with what is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when right. you connect, when you're connecting with your own inner wise self with your own divine guidance. What is your intention? How are you connecting? I teach intuitive development and mentor intuitives, and I'm a big nut about keeping it clean. And if you keep it clean, whether you call yourself a Christian or a non-Christian or a pagan or a Buddhist or a whatever, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. If you keep it clean when you're working intuitively, you're going to be tapping into that divine flow, that divine spark that is inside behind powering all life. There's no getting away from it. And so that clean connection is a good thing. There's all kinds of ways to connect dirty, connect not good, connect twisted. And that may be when people say, oh, Christian psychic, I'm scared of that. They may be imagining some of those scary things that they saw on TV, some of those twisted ways, some of those kind of not clean ways of connecting. Right. And I feel like everything, if you're doing it in love, right? And and I think that's part of my book too, is learning that love yourself. One of my biggest aha moments for myself was realizing that every time I said that I wasn't good enough, I was essentially telling God that he screwed up. Hmm. And that was a big slap in the face to me. Hmm. So that made me rethink about how I feel about myself too. Well, and also about how we can be supported when we tell the truth. Right. And through our discernment, I don't go, I live in the Midwest. I live in a place where I don't go to my children's school and go, hello, I'm the crazy psychic lady. You might hear me on the radio. I don't, and look, here's a picture of Jesus. I don't do, I don't do that because it's not appropriate, but I also right. have a no lying policy. And so right. if you ask me what I do, I might say I'm a spiritual teacher or I might say I'm a counselor or I might say I'm an intuitive depending on what question you're asking and where we happen to be standing in my child's classroom or at the psychic fair. It's going to be a different answer, right. but I have right. a no lying policy and that's but part of how I stay correct. clean. Yeah. And all of those are correct. Like I, I think if we could get away from the label and just look at the heart of who you are, like you're a divine soul, like everybody on earth yeah. is amazing, right? If we could all just see each other for that. I mean, granted there's darkness and there are things that are bad that happen, But at the essence of it all, if we could all get back to that truth and love, it would be a different world. And it helps break down some of the harsh limits and barriers that we put up to keep ourselves, I believe, to keep ourselves from knowing a deeper expression of that divine love. We like to build Mm -hmm. little boxes and then stay inside them, muttering to ourselves while the wider world streams by. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
Are you comfortable, Jennifer, sharing? I'd love to know about spiritual practices that you employ, how you in, in your work as someone who speaks and writes and teaches and counsels, how do you keep it clean? What are some of your spiritual practices? So, you know, breathing and meditation are probably my, always my go-to. It's really, really important to, just to get away from even the spiritual side of it. So I look at everything as a whole perspective, right? Because we are physical too. So are you physically taking care of your body? Now, I'm not in the best shape. I could lose a few pounds. I don't always eat healthy. But for the most part, I try to take care of my physical body, right? Mm -hmm. Then the breathing. So many of us don't even breathe. We're in such a state of flight or fight that we're on constant anxiety, constant adrenaline, and we don't ever actually relax. So learning to breathe and just physically relax your body is a huge step. Then the next thing is meditation. And I think a meditation is going to look different for everybody because everybody's at a different place. So meditation for me is sitting either quietly or with music or even a guided meditation depending on the day and how, you know, where I'm at. If my mind's racing, guided meditation is easier. If I'm in a place where I can just turn on music and relax, then that's great. And sometimes I just need quiet. Mm-hmm. All of it's right, right. It just depends on who you are, where you are in your journey, and what you want to do. Um, and then I always, at the very beginning of any meditation or any reading or any spiritual work or any energy healing or anything that I do, I always ask for Jesus and the angels to be with me. And so there I'm putting up my protection. I'm making sure that I'm, I'm tapped into divine energy. Um, and I always want the highest and best interest for everybody involved. So if I'm working with someone or if I'm just meditating for myself, I always want to set the intention that I'm connected with Jesus and the angels and that the highest and best comes out of whatever it is that is going on, mm. meditation or healing or whatever. Now, I know that we've only got just about a minute left in the in the program. Can you help the listeners find their way to your website and let them know what they'll find when they get there? Um, so, JenniferLonberg.com. So, it's just my name. Um, Facebook is fantastic. You can find me there as well. And it's just a basic site um, explaining who I am, kind of a little bit more about my story. You can sign up for a newsletter. Um, you can join my Facebook group. There's different ways to work with me, and and I really want to create a community of support for each other. If they have questions, if they have fears, they can send it in a private message. A lot of the people I work with are Christian, and they're afraid to tell anybody that they also have these experiences. Yes. And so if you need to do it in a safe place, you can send me a private message. Nobody has to know. I love that, and I love that you acknowledge (laughs) that and offer that a safe place to hold the light. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was, it was great to be here and chat with you. That is Jennifer Lonberg. Her new book is Embodied Grace, A Woman's Path to Empowerment, How to Claim Peace, Joy, and Abundance to Create a Life You'll Love. And you can find out more about Jennifer. Check out uh, information on her Facebook group and a lot more at jenniferlonberg.com. That's Jennifer, L-O-N-N-B-E-R-G, jenniferlonberg.com.
com. And of course, come and email me. Come to KarenHager.com. Click all the buttons. See the picture of me with makeup on. Have a look at upcoming classes and events. I especially would love for you to check out Opening the Peaceful Heart. That is a monthly, free, 15-minute guided meditation that my partner and I offer as a way to open a channel for peace, for light, for healing in a world that seems tumultuous, that might seem a little bit out of control. If you believe as I do that when we focus our intention, we can make change, real change. I would invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.